This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me this evening. As the sports world mourns the loss of Kobe Bryant and the, his daughter and eight and seven other victims, here at Saturday to Sunday, we want to send our deepest condolences to all of the victims and their families and their loved ones of the tragedy that took place this past weekend. It seems somber. It seems tough to talk about anything else in the sports world. We were contemplating canceling the podcast for this week, but we decided to record, give people an opportunity if they wanted to listen to some Senior Bowl stuff, get their minds off of all the tragedies and all the stories of, of that and everything that happened this past weekend, maybe just be a little bit of a distraction for a short period of time uh, as more and more information comes out about the crash and everything associated with what happened this past weekend. So we decided to record it. I know me personally, it was one of those moments that I believe I will remember forever in terms of the sports world. And there are moments that people remember exactly where they are. And it could be good moments. It could be bad moments. It could be moments that just impact them or their loved ones personally, or it could be moments in the sports world that impact everybody, fans of the specific team, of a player, or just moments like that. And and I think this is is one of those moments that it's it'll be one of those things that you'll remember where you were when, when you heard about this tragedy that took Kobe Bryant's life, his daughters, and seven other people as well. It, it was just stunning. It was shock. It was disbelief. It was hoping that it wasn't true until many, many outlets and sources, you know, had the story. You wanted to believe it wasn't. And Kobe Bryant is one of my memory of Kobe Bryant, besides all the accolades, besides his passion, his energy, his dedication to his family that we saw at the back end, is it's really rare to see the entire spectrum of, of a young player mature into a superstar and then see his career wind down. And for me personally, Kobe Bryant was one of those, probably the first player that I saw the entire trajectory of his career, of his stardom. You know, Michael Jordan started out and I was only a, a few years old. So I didn't see his whole trajectory of his career. I watched when he won his first three NBA finals, but you know, then he took the baseball break. I remember much more the second three than the first three. And in the beginning of his career, when he first started out as a rookie, you know, I wasn't old enough to, to, to know and follow the game. Kobe was probably the first athlete that was a true iconic sports person in my lifetime. He was drafted in 1996. You know, I was just on the verge of starting high school. So, you know, at that point, I loved the sports. I loved the game of basketball. I saw his career over that entire stretch at when I was at an age old enough to really appreciate his game and what it represented. So it, it, it's just an amazing career. What he's done since his career, the impact he's had on, I think he won 
uh, an Emmy for a, a kid's play or a kid's movie. He was doing so much stuff to support and promote women's basketball. Uh, every time you saw him, it seemed that he was talking about his family, talking about his daughter who one day was going to maybe hopefully play at UConn and then the WNBA. It's just a tragic situation. And it'd be one of those moments that I think any sports fan and any just, you know, you know, any person knows who Kobe is. It's very rare that somebody's first name, you know, is all you need to know who he is, whether you're a sports fan, whether you're an NBA fan, you know, even if you're not, you, you were impacted in some way, you knew who he was. And it, it's one of those things that'll last forever. And you will remember what happened in terms of exactly when we found out. And it, it's just tragic for him, his daughter and the other seven people that were tragically killed in that helicopter crash this past weekend. And again, our deepest condolences to all, to everybody involved. Uh, and hopefully everyone can get through this really tough time. With that said, we're going to push through here and, and do a little bit of Saturday, Sunday stuff. The senior bowl took place this past weekend. Uh, I had an opportunity to watch as much of the TV coverage that was possible. Uh, I know Matt and I were talking about that last episode that we were surprised the NFL network didn't have the practices. I still don't know why ESPN did have a couple days worth of practices. Uh, NFL network did have the recaps at night. And then there was obviously a lot of stuff put on Twitter by the people who were down there in attendance uh, from the media. So there was a decent amount of stuff that eventually I was able to get hands on, read a lot more stuff, obviously watched the game. If you were following me on Saturday, I was tweeting throughout the entire game, sharing my thoughts on the players, not so much individually what was happening in the Senior Bowl, but more on the on the prospects in general in terms of a snapshot, again, of how they win you know, some of their best traits, if the reports this week were positive. So I figured to kind of wrap out the Senior Bowl that we would do a little bit of a stock report in terms of stock up, stock down, stock neutral, in terms of the practice reports, in terms of what I saw, in terms of what I've read or I've heard from other people, just to kind of give a little bit of sense of where we are. Uh, Matt will be back with me next week and we will start our tier buster series. That is something we've been doing for many years here at Saturday, Sunday, we have created our own tiering system. Uh, we'll, we'll talk through the tiering system again next week, but if you're someone who buys the premium notebooks, the tiering system will be put into the notebooks, our tiers, uh, will be put into the notebooks as we do each, uh, episode, uh, our tiers will be added to the scouting notebook and the rankings notebook, I should say, is where you will get the tiers. Okay, so our tiers will be in the rankings notebook, the description of all the tiers. We kind of take into account draft grade, fantasy, dynasty fan, uh, rookie draft projection, what we expect them to become as a player at the next level. And we kind of we kind of incorporate all of that to the best of our abilities to make our tiers here at Saturday to Sunday. It's some of our favorite episodes. I know, you know, I'm, I'm going to be watching a lot of prospects uh, over the next three to four weeks. I try to get almost all of my new film analysis and film studies done uh, for the past year. Uh, you know, of guys, I watched a lot of guys in the summer, some guys I watched, you know, and really did a deep dive during the year, but so many guys I got to go back to. And that's what I use this time bef between the senior bowl and the combine 
to kind of rewatch a lot of these guys and see what I think on them. Have have my feelings changed since the summer or things pretty similar in terms of what I thought about the player? Uh, it helps me finalize rankings. It helps me, you know, finalize tiers. And then obviously there's only marginal movement after our tiers. Obviously the combine is another data point that can break ties, help me sort things between tiers. Maybe a guy jumps up a tier here or there as I get an opportunity to watch more film or more film becomes available. And I see something at the combine that kind of sends me back to the tape. So that's kind of what the next month here is at Saturday to Sunday is watching a lot of film making our tiers, and then getting ready for the combine. So hopefully stay with us through this journey here leading up to the 2020 NFL draft. We will have it covered wire to wire, wall to wall over the next couple months. So let's get into it. Let's start at the quarterback position. In terms of stock up, I think stock up one guy, and that's Justin Herbert. You know, he wins the MVP of the game. The reports all week were that he was clearly the best quarterback in attendance, showing off the athleticism, showing off the arm talent, and also the leadership. All the reports I read were that he really took on a leadership role down there in Mobile. I think that was a question mark that seemed to be hovering over Justin Herbert. So I think he went down there, answered the bell in that regards. Good practices all week. What I saw from the the practice tapes, you know, that were aired, he he seemed to be in complete control. His accuracy was good. His ball placement was good. He was showing the ability to push the ball vertically down the field, stuff we've seen on film. Uh, but he was more consistent in the practices than I think we've seen in games. I think Justin Herbert's flaws or concerns are more about how he handles pressure, his going through decision-making when – the bullets are kind of flying, so to speak, and the pass rush is getting after him. And you're not really going to get an opportunity to see that in, in a senior bowl type setting in practices or even in the game because, you know, they can't blitz and stuff like that. But I think his stock's up. I never thought he was further than the top 10 or top 12. I think he's now very much in the top five mix. I wouldn't be stunned to see him go third overall, whether it's to the Lions, whether it's a trade up. I think third is in the range of outcomes now. I would probably say somewhere between three and like seven or eight is now the range that I expect Justin Herbert to go. And I think he probably will continue to have a really strong pre-draft process. And so I think stock is up on him. I'll probably say stock neutral on Jordan Love. He had some of the reports were positive. Some were so-so. I think that's kind of what Jordan Love has been right now. We know what Jordan Love offers. We know the arm talent. We know the ability to play off structure or off script, whatever you want to call it. You know, he showed some of that in the in, in the practices, his ability to flick his wrist, push the ball vertically down the field, put it, you know, on a rope, on you know, on a deep out and stuff like that. That's stuff we know he can do. He's got to show the ability to be more consistent, make better decision-making, I still think, and again, I haven't waved, wavered off of this. I still think he's a top 20 pick. I mean, is it impossible that he falls to the second round? No, we saw it happen to Drew Locke last year. So I'm not going to sit here and say it's not possible, but I think it's just as possible that a team falls in love with the arm talent and falls in love with the athleticism, looks at his inconsistency this year and blames it a lot on the surrounding cast that he had there from him. And they think that they can get the most out of him. There's been some reports that the Chargers are very interested. You know, so so I think there's some teams 
that are going to be very interested in Jordan Love. I think he can go top 10. I think he can go top 15. I do think Justin Herbert is elevated over him, but I do think Jordan, I do think Jordan Love could easily still be in the mix in the top 10. And if not, the you know, the, the 11 to 20 range as well, I'd actually be surprised if he doesn't go in the top 20. And I kind of thought that's where his value kind of was. I was interested to see if this week could push him into like, you know, the top five, the top seven stratosphere, or if he could maybe catapult Justin Herbert in the, in the public perception. And I don't think that's happened, but I would probably say stock neutral on Jordan Love. I think he's a top 20 pick. Wouldn't be stunned if he goes in the, in the, the top 10, uh, just the need at the quarterback position and the raw tools and traits that he has. But I think that was always still in the range of outcomes, even before the senior bowl. So I'll say stock neutral on him. Uh, stock down, I think I probably would say the rest of the quarterback group. Uh, Jalen Hurts, stock down on him, but I'm going to say this about Jalen Hurts. I don't think this is the setting for Jalen Hurts. And if Lamar Jackson went to the Senior Bowl a couple years ago, I don't think that would have been the setting for Lamar Jackson. I think people would have really critiqued Lamar Jackson if he would have went to the Senior Bowl a couple years ago. Because what Lamar Jackson brings to the table can't really be seen in, in senior bowl practices. Senior bowl practices for the quarterbacks, you're looking for pinpoint accuracy. You're looking for ball placement. You're looking the ability to, you know, to put it vertically down the field, you know, put it in the exact right location. That's not Lamar Jackson's game either. And it's not Jalen Hurts. And I don't want to sit here and make this a one-for-one comparison, Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, because it's not. Lamar Jackson was further ahead, you know, as, as a passer in college than Jalen Hurts is. He's a different type of runner. He's more explosive. He, you know, he can make people miss. Jalen Hurts is more, he's got great athleticism. He's more of a power runner. He can take great angles. And if he can get by you, he's off to the races. Uh, he's not nearly as quick-footed as a guy like Lamar Jackson with agility and stuff like that. But I do think there are some similarities in terms of, I don't think Lamar Jackson is a great practice player. I don't think Jalen Hurts is. His Jalen Hurts' ability is to use his athleticism, use his mobility to his advantage, make plays with his legs to set up him being affected, effectful uh, in terms of his passing game as well. And I do think his legs make him more effective as a passer. He's more comfortable throwing on the run. He's more comfortable once he gets in rhythm, maybe after a big play with his legs. So I think all the, the concerns about Jalen Hurts are still there. He's got to be more consistent. He's got to make better decisions. He's got to go through progressions quicker and not lock onto one read or struggle to get through his progressions. And I think it's going to be a learning curve for him. I don't think he's ready to come in and play in the league immediately. But I do think that to knock him to the point where – the senior bowl dramatically impacts his dress tag. I don't think so because I, I still think he's got an opportunity to be a day two pick because he solves problems on the fields in a variety of ways. And I think he's a guy who can help a team win in, in a variety of ways. And I don't think practice and, and senior bowl stuff is going to really put him in the best position to succeed and show off the, the skill set and how he solves problems. So I will say that while it's stocked down, I still don't think that I went in with expectations that he was going to be this pinpoint accuracy and ball placement. Because if he did show that, I think that would have been stunning and, and would have been a surprise because that's not who he is right now. He's, he's shown enough growth and improvement this year to make him worthy of being a quarterback pick at the next level. But I mean, if he would have went there and he would have been, 
showing great accuracy and great ball placement, I think that would have been a surprise because we've never seen that. Even even with the prolific stats he put up this year, it wasn't attributed to great accuracy and and pinpoint ball placement. So so I'm not too down on Jalen Hurts, even though I think stock overall down. Shea Patterson, uh, Steven Montez, Anthony Gordon, I think stock down for all of them. Montez is who we, who we know he is. He has the athleticism. He has the arm talent. He has the prototypical size and frame. He, he can make any throw, but he's very inconsistent. He struggles with decision-making, struggles going through progressions, and just in, very inaccurate at times. Shea Patterson, the practice reports were really poor. What I watched of him was very inconsistent on, on the practice tapes. He had a better day on Thursday, but the previous stuff, he struggled with his accuracy, his ball placement. You know, you saw a little bit of his athleticism and mobility, and I think that's what still will intrigue NFL teams, maybe as a late-day free pick or a priority free agent. But overall, I was hoping to see him ride the momentum that I thought he played with down the stretch of this season into the start of the pre-draft process, but it didn't, it did not go that way. So stock down him. And then Anthony Gordon, you know, obviously very efficient in that Washington state offense, but I think we're talking about an average skill set across the board. He's got average size and frame, uh, you know, for a quarterback, he's got average to above average arm talent. He, he's, he shows the ability to mentally process things very fast, but his athleticism mobility, that's probably average to above average, accurate in the short to intermediate parts. I still got concerns about his footwork. There was nothing that really stood out to me in terms of the practice reports. It seemed to be a lot of inaccuracy, inconsistencies. I think he's, you know, again, a day three quarterback prospect, you know, developmental, you know, third string type, maybe develop into a backup down the line. I think that's where Gordon is. Patterson, late day three or priority free agent. I think Montez probably will get probably will struggle to get drafted. If not, it'll be real late. So that's the quarterback position. If we take this at a running back position, I would say stock up on a couple guys. I would say stock up on Joshua Kelly and Darius Anderson. They look really good in the game. I think running backs during the week and practices, it's very hard to get a read on them. You know, you could see some things in terms of pass protection, even though we didn't get access to too much of that in terms of the TV coverage. Uh, you can see receiving drills. I think Joshua Kelly and Darius Anderson showed off the capabilities to be a factor in the receiving game. And then obviously they had both had very effective games uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I think both going over a hundred total yards. So I think the stock's up on both of them. I think Joshua Kelly could be one of those guys, him and Michael P Ryan talked about this. If you were following me on Twitter, on the during the game, I think Joshua Kelly and Michael P. Ryan could be two of the running back prospects that really benefit from, by some of the guys who we thought were going to be top 100 picks go back to college. The Travis Etienne's, the Najee Harris, the Chubba Hubbard's. All of those guys, I think, are going to help the Joshua Kelly and the Michael P. Ryan's of the world. I'm not saying that they're going to go in the top 100 because I don't think either of them are. But I, I now think that they both have the capabilities uh, to go somewhere early on day three. So I think P Ryan right there with Joshua Kelly, with, uh, Darius Anderson are probably stock up at the running back position because I do think they show three down capabilities. I think Joshua Kelly shows this, the size and frame that would stand the rigors of a heavy workload, but runs and moves a lot quicker, much better than the guy who's in the, you know, in the two, 10 to 215 range. He moved, he moves better. His movement skills are better. He showed the receiving capabilities. You know, the practice reports early on were really good on Kelly. They kind of, you know, stagnated as the week went on, but then the game, he really impressed. I think he's now very much in the radar on the round four mix because of three down capabilities. 
Uh, Darius Anderson, I think, showed what he can be, a change-of-pace type player, but a big play barrette, a guy who's got very good to great athleticism. He's got that burst and acceleration. He He's willing to mix it up and be physical between the tackles, but I think he's best in space out on the perimeter. I think he showed those capabilities to be a big play barrette make an impact in the passing game. So I think we're going to see Darius Anderson get somewhere taken on Dave Perrine now uh, and be a factor at the next level. And then Michael Piran, I mentioned him. He showed growth this year in terms of his receiving game. He continued to show that, I think, at the Senior Bowl. He's got the ideal size and frame. He's got better athleticism than I think people gave him credit for when they watched him before the season started. I know he's he showed to me to be a better athlete. I think he's probably above average athleticism to good athleticism at this point, uh, good short area bursts and quickness, the contact fidelity to absorb contact, uh, the physicality and toughness to pick up additional yards, and then improved in the past game this past year uh, to, to be a weapon there. So I think with Michael P. Ryan stock up, I'll, I'll say stock neutral on Eno Benjamin. And I'll say that because he came in a lot lighter than I think people thought he was at 195. He didn't really have a great final season at Arizona State. I think last summer it was looked upon of him being a top 100 pick. I'm not sure he's pushed his way back into the top 100 mix. It's a really strong draft class in lots of positions, especially the wide receiver group, the offensive line position, especially the tackle position is strong. Uh, You know, we're probably going to have anywhere between five or six quarterbacks taken in the top 100. So I'm not sure a lot of running backs are going to go in the top 100. So I, I thought before the senior bowl started that, you know, Benjamin was probably an early day three pick. And I think that's still probably where he is. Uh, he, the player who we thought he was, I think he still is. He shows good athleticism, good bursts and quickness, still shows the ability uh, to impact the game in the passing as well. He shows the contact balance to absorb contact, fight through contact, even at 195 pounds. But I do think the 195 is going to scare some teams off thinking he's more of just a change of pace guy, not a guy who can carry a heavy workload uh, and, and withstand the rigors of the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see what he comes in at the combine. So I'll say stock neutral on him. Uh, I'll say stock neutral on Antonio Gibson. I think, you know, the, the league knows who he is, that offensive weapon, 6'2", 220, uh, receiver, returner, punter. I think he's a guy who will be taken on day three. I don't think the senior will move the needle to maybe push him up into day two or anything like that. So I think stock neutral probably on Antonio Gibson. Uh, Jermichael Hasty, I would probably say the same thing. I don't think he hurt himself in any way or dramatically helped himself. I think he's another change of pace type guy. Uh, he's got good frame, a little bit undersized, but he's got athleticism. He's got burst and acceleration, can catch the ball in the backfield, can be, you know, a part of a, you know, lesser part of a committee, change of pace type guy used on third downs. So I'd say stock neutral on him. The one guy I'll say stock down on uh, is Keyshawn Vaughn. I think this past year, he came into the year very highly regarded, probably locked in to be a top 100 pick. Uh, but Vanderbilt guys really struggled this year and, and Vaughn really struggled this year. And I think he needed a strong start to the pre-draft process to kind of start getting his stock moving in the positive direction. And it really didn't happen. So I, so I think he's stocked down on him right now. I think he got injured. So he wasn't even out there on the field the last couple of days of practice. Uh, so he's going to have to work hard. Uh, to kind of bring back up his draft stock. And I'm not sure he's going to be a guy who tests out well at the combine. I don't really think that's Keyshawn Vaughn's game. I think the senior bowl would have been a much better setting for him to show his overall skill set. If we take this to the tight end position, I'll do that first, and then I'll end with the wide receivers. 
uh, at the tight end position, I think stock up on Adam Trapman uh, at a Dayton. I think he's now very much in play to potentially be the first or second tight end taken in the entire draft. I think he's right near the top now with the Cole Komets of the world. I think Trapman could go before him or he could be number two. Matt and I talked last week that you know you pretty much have the senior bowl guys in Trapman, uh, Bryson Hopkins, uh, and Harrison Bryant, and then you add in Hunter Bryant, Cole Komet, Colby Parkinson. Those are probably the top six tight ends in this draft class. Uh, maybe throw in Thaddeus Moss out of LSU and Albert O out of Missouri, and you're probably looking at the top eight guys. Uh, so I'll probably say stock up on Trotman. I think he showed that he can perform against this upper level of competition. He had the athleticism, the quickness, the movement skills, the route running to be successful. He's got some things he's continued to refine, but he showed capable of against much better competition than he was accustomed to. And he also answered some questions about his blocking ability. So this is a guy who I think the league is going to look at very much like a Dallas Goddard type player. And Goddard, there were some questions about whether or not he can block and he ended up being a great block at the next level and I think he was just people had questions about Goddard because he just wasn't asked to do it much and I think that was kind of Trapman too he had some moments where he saw on film where he was asked to block and he was effective but I think this week we sort of that's an area where he could line up in line and be effective there even though his calling card his bread and butter so to speak is going to be his pass catching ability uh, I would also stay probably, I would say, stock up on Harrison Bryant. I think he's very much in the mix uh, to be a top 100 pick now. I thought maybe he was more of a round four guy before the senior bowl, but I think now he's he's squarely in the day two mix. Uh, he's got the ideal size. He's average frame, but we're talking about a guy who's got good movement skills, good athleticism, separation quickness, good route runner. He's going to be a guy who lines up detached in motion, in the slot. He's willing. He's willing to block. He, in that way, he reminds me he's not the athlete of Evan Ingram was. Uh, but I think I always thought Evan Ingram gave good effort, even though he might not have been an effective blocker. I think Harrison Bryant's the same thing. Uh, so I think he's got a legitimate shot to be around three pick now and, and be that pass catching weapon. And I would say Bryson Hopkins also stock up on him. You know, you can make the case maybe it's stock neutral. I already thought he was a day two pick, uh, but he did some things. I think he showed off that athleticism, that ability to create a mismatch uh, at times. So I think impressive in that regard. So I think stock up on him. And then one more stock up on uh, the former wide receiver out of LSU, uh, Stefan Sullivan, the converted wide receiver to tight end, obviously ideal size at 6'5". He showed really good athleticism for the position, good movement skills, uh, showed that the minimal production was just a lack of opportunity really at LSU and showed that his length and catch radius could cause problems for opposing defenses. And he showed the ability to be a really good physical, tough blocker, which is something that's really important for a tight end, especially a tight end who's formerly a wide receiver. So I would think stock up on him. Stock neutral, I would say, on Sean McKeon, uh, Josiah DeGore out of Cincinnati and Sean McKean out of Michigan. I think these guys are late day three guys. I think McKean is a guy who is a number three type tight end, more of a blocker than a pass catcher. Maybe it could be a guy, a check down option or a red zone weapon because he's got some size and length to him. Uh, DeGore is another guy, a third tight end, maybe a second tight end, uh, functional blocker, f- functional to above you know, pass catcher, doesn't have any elite 
calling cards. His athleticism is just about average, but he could be a, he could be an effective number two, maybe tight end, maybe start out as number three and work his way up. I think that's kind of what I expected from those guys. Uh, we're probably talking about you know late day three or priority free agents on those guys. I'll say stock down on Jared Pinckney and stock down on Charlie uh, Tampamu at a Portland State. In terms of the small school uh, Tampamu at a Portland State, I think we want to see more in terms of his pass catching and his overall athleticism. And, you know, I think the there was buzz on him before the season started. Uh, according to Tony Pauline of a Pro Football Network, the, the scouts seemed to be higher on him than Adam Trapman before the year even started, and the name had you know had resonated. I had not watched him prior uh, to him being you know at the Senior Bowl, so he's a guy that recently you know I've started to familiarize myself with. Uh, but the name had rung a bell from the summer of, of someone that people were being talked about, and you kind of thought that he was going to be a little bit more of an athletic tight end, a little bit more of a pass catching guy. And he didn't really stand out in any way here at the senior bowl. So I think there's no other way except saying stock down on him. And then Jared Pinkney. I know some people had him in their, you know, top five tight ends uh, from before the season started. I had some concerns when I watched him last summer, but I still thought he had legitimately a chance to be a top 100 pick. I just thought it was more of, you know, a late round three than an earlier round pick. Cause I had some questions about overall athleticism, separation quickness, and the ability to use your body at the catch point and create space works at the college level. doesn't often work at the NFL level, whether you're a wide receiver or a tight end. And that was my concerns. And he looked really unathletic at the senior ball. I'm not going to sit here and say his athleticism, you know, that defines who he is and everything we've watched on film of him, you know, over his whole career goes out the window because I did think he had above average athleticism when I watched him in the summer. I just didn't know if it was enough to be as successful as I think some people wanted him to be in terms of a mismatched tight end. Uh, but his separation quickness looked looked below average his route running you know looked like it needed refinement so it was just a poor senior bowl coming off a poor season so right now pinkney's draft stock has definitely i think taken a hit over this past season and now the start of the pre-draft process it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of turn that around at all uh and 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 turn the narrative a little bit and maybe put himself in a position to at least go on the early part of Dave Bree. I'm not sure right now. He's got the body of a more traditional tight end. He can block, but I think people still were gonna be looking at him to make him a decently high draft pick based on his pass catching ability. But now with athletic and separation concerns, I think that could really hurt his overall draft stock, uh, which then could impact and, and cause him to fall even further on the draft. If we take this to the wide receivers, and there are a lot of them, uh, let me just group it together and say stock up. And then I'll talk about some of these guys. Stock up on James Prochet. Stock up on Denzel Mims. Stock up on KJ Hill. Stock up on Chase Claypool. Uh, stock up on Colin Johnson, stock up on Van Jefferson, uh, and stock up on, I'll say Tyree Cleveland. Those are the guys from the senior bowl who I think stock up on. Uh, if we, if you go, if I just go in the order in which I said them, this is not the, the ones who improved their stock the most or anything. I just have a list here of names. It's not alphabetical or anything. Uh, if you start with James Prochet, obviously coming from SMU, 
crazy good statistics, but I think people wanted to see him compete against a little bit better level competition, see his separation, quickness, and stuff like that. And and what we saw is a guy that while he might have only above average athleticism, he's got great hands, great body control, great footwork, good separation, quickness to get in and out of his breaks, can adjust to the ball if it's thrown away from his body, that I think he's a guy who can be a really impactful slot player. Uh, I think he, I don't think he goes in the top 100. I think it's just a numbers game. But I thought maybe before the Senior Bowl that we're talking about a sixth or seventh round pick. And I think now maybe he's put himself in position to be around four or around five picks. So that's definitely stock up on that. Denzel Mims, he was another guy who I thought could be a round four type player. After everything that I watched in the practices and everything I read, it's hard to imagine Denzel Mims is not a top 100 pick, maybe even a top 75 pick or top 50 pick. His athleticism, better than people expected. His separation quickness, better than people expected. We knew he had great body control. We knew he could win at the catch point. We knew he had good length. But I think his long speed and his athleticism and his separation quickness stood out and then now have elevated him to even be an earlier pick than what we expected. KJ Hill stock up. Matt and I talked a little about him last week. Everything I watched on him, whether it was clips on Twitter, whether it was stuff from the ESPN practices or the recaps on NFL Network, KJ Hill was unguardable at times. His ability to get in and out of his breaks, his footwork, his movement skills, his technical savviness in terms of his route running and his overall athleticism. He showed to be a, a capable starting slot wide receiver, but the athleticism and the juice to also be able to get vertical at times from the slot makes him a very interesting prospect who I thought he was on the round three, round four border from the summer. But I think then it was so much quiet around him that I thought maybe I was on an Island on that. But now after this week, I, you know, after the senior bowl, I think he's very much in play to go in that range. And I think most people would have put him as later in the draft. And I think now he has a shot at the top 100. And if not, I expect him to be called early, early on uh, day three as well. So I think he's around three, round four player now. Chase Claypool, I don't see at his size and frame and movement skills and athleticism. He, he, for me, I thought he had good athleticism. I thought he had good movement skills. All the reports are that he showed that down there. I think he's elevated himself to be a top 100 pick. I think it was Dan Brugler on the Athletics Most Recent Podcast said he could even see top 75 for Chase Claypool. And I think I think I can see that too. Lance Zerline said that he could even see now him maybe pushed himself into round two. So there's a lot of people out there who think he has now pushed himself into the round two, round three mix by checking off some boxes, showing better movement and athleticism than I think maybe some people gave him credit for, combined with his physicality, his toughness, his ability to win at the catch point, his high pointing ability. Uh, so Chase Claypool, another winner at the wide receiver position. Uh, Colin Johnson, we knew he had the massive size. He showed this week that this year he battled some injuries, but this week he sh- it was all about him showing off his route running, his separation quickness, and his movement skills. And I think he checked those boxes in terms of functional to good in those areas where there were people who had, myself included, had some concerns in some of those areas. I still have some concerns against NFL caliber uh, defensive backs that he might have some separation, you know, quickness concerns. Uh, but I, but he is a smooth mover and that smooth movement, that footwork, uh, that route running is going to help him at the next level, even though against more physical 
press corners. He might have some struggles, and I still think he might struggle at times against better athletes in terms of getting in and out of his breaks cleanly. This week was nothing but a success. So he's another guy, you know, that I thought before the Senior Bowl, he maybe had dropped into the round four, round five mix. I think he's now back in the round three, round four mix with his stock pointing up uh, based on what he showed down here. Van Jefferson, before this, I thought we were talking about a round five to round seven player. Now I think round three, round four is in play for Van Jefferson. Again, not all these guys can go in round three. So I'm not going to sit here and come on air and say everybody's a top 100 pick now because it's it's not. It, it's not. So I'm, I'm saying, you know, maybe someone might say I'm hedging a little bit saying round three, round four. But the truth of the matter is there's not going to be 20 wide receivers or 25 wide receivers taken in the top 100 picks. Some of these guys are going to fall to day three. So, yes, Van Jefferson was very impressive this week. But he's still he's still basically a average to above average athlete. It's for him. It's the technical side of the route running. It's his footwork. It's his separation. It's his cleanness in and out of breaks, and how good how defined he is at that ter- in terms of route running that make him. He can catch the ball away from his body. Uh, so Van Jefferson had a really impressive week. Uh, I think he's he could maybe play on the outside a little bit the flanker position, but I think he's more of a slot guy, uh, and that's probably. Uh, where you're going to see him might struggle a little bit with contested catches, but if he's constantly creating separation is open, that's not much of a concern. He could be a really valuable piece to a team at the next level. Uh, so those are probably the guys that I would say stock up at the wide receiver position. In terms of guys that I would say stock neutral, I'll say Michael Pittman. Unfortunately, he suffered an injury and couldn't finish the week uh, performing, but I think Michael Pittman already had locked himself into a day two pick uh, based on his size, his frame, his athleticism, his long speed, uh, his his movement skills combined with how he wins at the catch point, how he uses his body, his ability to go up and get the ball. When you combine all of that, it's hard to see him not being a guy that teams fall in love with. This isn't a guy who struggles to separate. This isn't a guy who struggles, you know, to get in and out of breaks. This is a very fluid mover at 6'4", 220. You don't usually see guys this fluid at 6'4", 220. So you combine that with his ball skills, his body control. You add in the fact that he's a great special teams player, and I think you got a guy who's in the top 100. I don't think this week changed that for me. I'll say stock neutral on Antonio Gandy-Golden. I think we saw some good. I think we saw some inconsistencies. I think that's kind of what I expected. We know he can win at the catch point. The length the the ability to go up and get it, the body control, the play strength to uh, be a good blocker. We knew all that about Antonio Gandy Golden. You know, I think they, I think there are some. He had some drop issues, not something that I saw too much on film. But I still think against NFL caliber athletes, you're talking about a guy. Yes, he, does he have good movement skills at six four? You know, two sixteen or whatever his weight is. Sure, but I still think it's above average. You know in terms of his athleticism and moving skills, maybe even above average to good. But I do think getting in and out of breaks and his separation quickness could cause a little bit of an issue at the next level. So will he have to overly rely on winning at the catch point? And I think that's still a question mark that we don't know answered. He showed he belonged. He showed that he's, you know, he's a, a, a good prospect. But in this draft class, I don't see Antonio Gandy-Golding going in the top three rounds unless he really surprises me with some measured numbers at the combine. I just think it's a numbers game. So I think Antonio Gandy-Golding was probably around four, round five player prior to Senior Bowl. I still think that's where he is. 
Uh, Courtney Davis, I'll say stock neutral on him too. I think he's probably around, you know, four or five type player. I think, I don't think anything that happened this week changed that. You know, he's, he's got that body type, good to very good athleticism, his movement skills, his ability after the catch is all good. His play strength and physicality and toughness. He's got to expand his route tree a little bit, but he's got good separation, quickness and footwork. Everything I just said about Courtney Davis, very similar to Devin Duvernay. They got a different type of body. They almost have a running back style body. You can say Debo Samuel type. You know, I think they're, they're very comparable players in, in how they win. Uh, I like Duvernay a little bit more, but I think their skill sets, you know, are, are very comparable in terms of their strengths, uh, in terms of how they win. I don't think they did anything this week. To elevate their draft stock. I think that I think Duvernay is another one of those guys that's on the three, four bubble. I still think he's there. I think Courtney Davis isn't in that four or five range. I still think he's there. So I would say stock neutral on those guys. Uh, who else? Uh, oh, I, I skipped before when we were talking about stock up. I didn't get, I forgot to talk about Tyree Cleveland. He was a late addition. And why do I say stock up on him? This is a guy who was a big time five-star recruit, never lived up to the full potential, but this is a guy who's got great, athleticism, great long speed. I, I don't know who said it, but this is a guy who could test in the in the four threes somewhere in the 40 or low four fours. So he's got the pedigree of being a high recruit, a five-star guy. He's got good he's got very good to great athleticism and long speed. He's he could be a weapon in the return game. He could be a inside slot guy or he can play on the outside. He can get vertical from either position. So he doesn't have the production. He never lived up to the potential, but maybe Tyree Cleveland was around 6 or around 7 player before this week started. He might have elevated himself into like the round five mix. I'm not going to sit here and say he's elevated himself into round three or round four. I think that's unrealistic. But maybe he went from round seven or even a priority free agent. And now maybe he's a round five or round six guy. So I think that's a stock up on him. Uh, a couple other guys that I would probably say stock down on. Uh, the first one, I think, is Austin Mack. This was a big opportunity for him uh, from Ohio State. Didn't have great production this past year, but he had the good size and frame. His athleticism is above average with movement skills, but he seemed to have some struggles uh, catching the ball at the catch point, uh, fighting through physicality and toughness a little bit, things that he needs to do because he isn't this high-level athlete. He's a good athlete or above-average athlete, but he I think this was, he didn't use this as a launching point to, you know, announce his presence, you know, coming from Ohio State, not getting a lot of attention there in terms of the other players on his team that were getting way more attention, the J.K. Dobbins, the Justin Fields, uh, the K.J. Hills. And I don't think Austin Mack really stood out this week uh, in terms of trying to really increase his draft stock. I think he's probably a late day three guy or UDFA. I think he's still there. Kalijah Lipscomb, same thing. I'll say stock down on him. I liked Lipscomb a lot when I watched him in the summer. I thought he could be, you know, last year I was a big fan of Stanley Morgan Jr. I thought Lipscomb could be a similar player, you know, strong, physical in his routes after the catch point, good route runner. I still think on film those things hold true, but this week he didn't really stand out. This season, he, he all the Vanderbilt guys that we talked about kind of, you know, took a step back. Uh, I was holding, I was hoping Lipscomb would really have a good senior bowl to kind of maybe put him a little bit more in the limelight to start maybe salvaging his draft stock. It didn't really happen. Uh, you know, we'll see how he does at the, at the combine, uh, in, in terms of that. But I think overall, this was a week where he's probably a late round, 
uh, guy now. Uh, I don't think that really changed. He might have been there, so maybe he's stock neutral. Maybe that's where he was anyway. But maybe I was hoping that he kind of used this to uh, catapult his draft stock a little bit, and it didn't really happen. Uh, and and that's really it. I, I mean, I went through just about every, I think every wide receiver. I could have talked about Brandon Ayuk. He was in attendance, but he didn't practice. But it, we talked about him last week that his stock seems to be pretty high right now. Uh, so I don't think anything's hurting him. But hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I, I you know, obviously after the top, you know, the somber discussion about Kobe Bryant and, and that tragedy, I did want to share my thoughts on a lot of the guys again at the senior bowl, but do it. I talked about a lot of these guys last week in terms of their games, how they win their a snapshot of who they are. So this week I want to talk a little bit more based on what I saw in the senior bowl practices that were available for me based on what I read, the videos that I saw on Twitter, watching the game itself, kind of want to do a little bit of a stock up stock down on these guys, because you know, now that the senior stuff, the, the shrine game is behind us. The senior bowl is behind us. Now we turn our attention to the combine and we start bringing all the underclassmen back in. So then I think the underclassmen really dominate a lot of the conversation because they've been a little out of sight, out of mind. So I thought this was a good way to kind of take some inventory, take some stock of these senior bowl prospects and, and kind of see, you know, where they are right now. Obviously there'll be a lot more movement in the pre-draft process, the combine. It's not the be end end all, but it does matter. It does matter. It sorts, it breaks ties. It sends people back to the film. Uh, so there is, there is a lot of merit in the combine, whether some people think there's a lot of merit. Some people think there's no merit. I think there's some, I think it's somewhere in between for sure. Uh, so, so I do think, you know, this is just the, the first part of the process. It's the Shrine Game or the Senior Bowl. Then it's the Combine for most of these guys. Then it's their individual pro days, uh, you know, as we build closer and closer to the NFL draft. So I thought it was a good exercise to kind of check in on all of these offensive players to kind of give you where they are right now in terms of maybe some draft projections, in terms of did they elevate their stock? Did they basically stay neutral or did they hurt their stock a little bit? So hopefully you enjoyed it. Guys, if you are a fan of what Matt and I have been doing here now for almost five years, please get over to the website, ssfootball.com, where you can spell it out Saturday, the number two, sundayfootball.com. Check out the, the content that says premium uh, for $9.99. Only $9.99, guys, you get access to four notebooks. We haven't created a Patreon account. We don't really ever push or ask uh, for people you know, to help us in any way, but this is really what helps us the most. So if you're a fan of the show and you've bought it before, we really hopefully think appreciate it if you think about buying it again. If you've never bought it and you want to try it out, we would greatly appreciate it. It does help us. It is our lifeline in terms of continuing to do what we do here at Saturday to Sunday. Uh, you know, without it, we wouldn't be able to do it. So Hopefully you you give it a try. You get the scouting notebook, which has player profiles on almost 100 guys. There's about 10 to 12 guys that right now say coming soon that, you know, within the next week or two weeks uh, should be filled in completely. Then we will continue to watch more film on these guys from this past season, make edits as we need. I will also separate it to just guys that are in the draft. I will keep the profiles of any draft eligible guys that decide to go back to school, the Travis Ethians of the world, Tariq Black, stuff like that, Chubba Hubbards, uh, but they'll be on a separate tab. Uh, and then our rankings notebook, you get our dynasty rookie rankings after the draft. I'm still updating last year's for people who are going into their second off season. Uh, you get the 
uh, draft eligible rankings, which will soon be converted to just, just draft rankings. Uh, you get our Debbie rankings, you get our tiers in there. And then in late March to mid April, you get the freshman notebook, which will have thoughts on somewhere around 30 to 40 of the top incoming freshmen. Uh, Matt's working on that already. And then you get the draft projections notebook, which is, is my baby. And that'll come out sometime in the middle of April. It'll have notes on about 400 players. Uh, every player, every position, offense and defense gets their own separate tab. Uh, I will rank them in, in how I expect them to get picked. Not my rankings, not what I would do, but everything I'm hearing uh, from reading in terms of how I expect it to go. I'll have a tab for my projected top 32, projected top 100 picks, and then trying to make a best guess at every single pick in the draft. So again, it is the best way to support the show please consider purchasing them. If you can, please get over to wherever you listen to the podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us out as well. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.